Peace. I am Kim Crawl. I am reporting to you, not live, outside of my beloved closet. I don't know if this is going to work, you guys. Uh, I have a really good microphone that I can hear everything in my headphones. But I was recording the other day, and my breathing is just... I got an inhaler, though. Yay! Um, but uh, my, my I was recording the other day the Ugh Fine uh, podcast, which is out uh, December 2nd instead of December 1st when I'm recording this. Uh, I am so far behind on life. Do you ever just feel like you're just like, I don't know what's happening, and I just want to nap? Like, that's all. And someone told me recently that that's ADHD. I feel like everybody has that. I don't know. Or maybe that's just me. Sounded like my boomer dad. Like, no, it's just like, buck up, whatever. Um, But uh, yeah, I was recording uh, fine the other day and I could hear everything in my apartment. And I asked Jeff, who is my co-host with that, I was like, can you hear? I have this water fountain that I bought um, when Henry wasn't really uh, drinking a lot of water. And it did work. He did drink out of that a couple of times. Um, I have a cute video. Uh, he, well, he was drinking until he saw me watching. And then he, I missed that fucking cat, you guys. I cannot describe to you how much I miss that fucking cat. And, I, and it's so funny because like, it's like, you know, it's Christmas holiday time. And normally my favorite part about this is I put up the tree and then he and I take a bunch of pictures and then I mail them to people for Christmas cards. And my friend the other day sent me a, a, fun, a fun Christmas picture of her. And she was like in a cat jumpsuit, like a jumpsuit that had cats all over it. And she was like, maybe this is what you could do for your like, you know, homage to Henry. Is homage the right word? And... I was like, man, I'm not even excited about that. And I just started thinking like at the beginning of this year, if you would have told me that Henry would be gone by the end of it, like, it's just, it's so like, I cannot. And it was so fucking quick too. It was like, May, he has cancer or May, he doesn't feel well. He's kind of acting weird. June, it's cancer, July dead. And it's just like, God, it just happened so fucking quick. Um, two minutes in and I'm already, but yeah, so I, I bought him that, that water fountain and, I don't know. I've kept it up. I think Lucy uses it. Like the water runs out, but water eventually like evaporates, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I don't know if anybody who listens to this is like, you're not, but, um, but like, I, I don't know, to be fair, I've seen Lucy do like four things in the seven years I've had her. So I, I have no idea. Um, we are, you know, as I said last week, we are starting to, you know, our relationship is changing a lot. I think, I mean, I don't know. I just keep remembering she lost her best friend too. And, She's probably like, where in the fuck is our best friend? Well, she probably wasn't like, where's our best friend? She's probably like, just like, I'm like, he was my best friend. Um, but man, I miss that cat. But yeah, I feel like you can hear that water fountain and now I have a space heater on too. And so I feel like it's just like a big loud vacuum behind me, but I guess not. I don't know. Hi. Um, that was, I don't even remember. Oh yeah. I miss my closet. I don't, I, it's not doable. I bought a new kitchen table, which I'm really excited about. I told you guys this about months ago and I don't have enough room. I had to put, so I had this old piece of furniture. I don't know if I ever told you guys this. I have this old, so my dad, I got his, okay. <laughs> I, I got his record player when he passed away, right? And all of his records. And when I was a kid, he used to, he used to have when I, you know, up until like, like baby till I was like 14, he would put the record player and he had a reel to reel, um, player as well. He would put it in like the stand was an old TV stand, like a TV stand from like the seventies where he kicked out the TV so, you know, those old TV stands that like are like old wooden furniture and then you open up the case and then there's a TV inside of it. My dad, when he was like a young hippie, like kicked out that TV and then like put his record player on it. Right. And then when I was like 14 years old, he got this massive wall unit for our house. And he was like, yeah, well, this is where we're going to put the record player and all the records are going to live there now. And I was like, but what about the, the TV stand? Because I always thought that was such a cool story and it was like such a you know and also I had abandonment issues so getting rid of anything that I enjoyed was you know traumatizing as a child even now but like but as a child and I had no idea why obviously but now as an adult I can look back and be like oh yeah that was like your mom leaving again that's so sad <laughs> that's so fucked up but so he was like yeah we're getting rid of this thing and I you know I begged and I pleaded and I asked him if we could not do that and he was like what are we gonna do with it we're throwing it away so he picks this this heavy thing up 
And he takes it outside and he puts it where our trash is, right? And he's like, don't, we're throwing it away. Like basically like, fuck off little kid. I'm sobbing. I'll do anything to keep this, this piece of furniture that like, I don't even know why, but like, and so he goes to bed that night. I wait till he falls asleep. And then I go outside on, I drag that fucking thing up all like upstairs all the way and put it in the back of my closet and where it stays until I moved out to Los Angeles when I was 21 and we were cleaning out my, my stuff and we were, you know, loading everything up in the moving van. And my dad was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, oh yeah, I've saved that for like, you know, 10, 12 years. And so I still have it. And one day, you know, the dream is, you know, you make it in Hollywood and you'll be able to afford a house or a condo. Who knows? But by the time that happens, maybe the world will have imploded by then. But so I don't have any space for it once I got this big kitchen table. So I have it in my hall closet, which had other, like had like old, uh, like my grandma made a bunch of ceramic stuff for all the holidays. So I have every holiday, just like I could decorate my whole apartment with every holiday. The Thanksgiving stuff is super problematic. It's like a little like teepee with like, I don't know, remember how we were taught very differently what happened on Thanksgiving, whatever. I, I'm not doing a history lesson, but so I had those in the closet, in my hallway closet. And so I moved, long story short, I just don't have room to record in my closet anymore with this new, and I like the setup. I'm just not sure how the sound quality is. I don't know. This seems like a problem for future Kim. I feel like I have enough on my plate. It's fine right now. Tell If you are listening to this and you're like, no, there's a crazy amount of background noise and it doesn't sound the way it used to in your closet. I mean, I guess DM me. I can say that all day, but you guys know I'm terrible at answering my DMs. It's gotten to the point where people will just like comment on stuff and be like, look at your DMs. And I'm like, Ugh. the thing is, is like, I don't know, at all times I have like 12 text messages, a hundred emails. It's life is, it's a lot. And I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm. I'm really far behind in life right now. Just so far behind. I don't even know what's happening, but it's, it's fine. I went, I went to, uh, what did I do yesterday? Oh yeah. I've been telling you guys. Whew. Um, I need to yawn. Uh, I've been telling you guys about this job I have and I've been, you know, teasing, not teasing. That's such a weird word to use, but uh, that I'm going to be talking about imposter syndrome at some point. Uh, and I think this is the episode. I, I think I'm just worried. I'm going to talk about it and like my new coworkers might listen and they're like, Oh my God, that's how you feel. I mean, the ones I like talk to a lot know this is how I feel, but you know, like whatever. Okay. So we'll just get into it. Uh, what I was going to say is yesterday at an in-person event and then right afterwards, I, well, I came home, well, I went and got my prescription. I went and got my inhaler and then I came home, got ready, finished the, uh, post event stuff that you have to do. And then I went to my neighbor's like bachelorette, batch, bachelorette bridal shower. She's, she's going, they're getting married, um, this weekend. And, uh, so she invited me to the, like, they're having like, it's just like family. So she's, she invited a bunch of friends to this like dinner. Right. And I don't know, I was like, oh, who knows, and 11 girls, I've been in this group chat for like four months, and I don't, if you know me well, you know, I like certain group chats, but like the ones that like, it's like 14 people you don't know, and it's just popping off all the time, it's like, come on, put this in an email, like what? And, but the woman who threw it, um, you know when you meet those people, and they just have this like air about them, this like beautiful aura, this woman who threw my neighbor's like that, like bridal party. I don't know what it was because it wasn't like a crazy, it was literally a dinner and it was like, yay, here we go. And it was like, you know, they were like dicks on the table, but it wasn't, but we had like, you know, one drink. It wasn't nuts. We did, we did joke about going to a strip club, but all of us were like, it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> we're tired. But, but so, that, you know, when you meet someone and you're, so the woman who put this on, I just like, she just was like, I walked in and she just like gave me this big hug. And I'm like, that person is like a really good human. You know, when you meet those people that you're like, wow, you're special, you're a special human. Um, but throughout the day, so I don't know where everyone else is listening in from or uh, if, you know, but in Los Angeles, uh, there's this like wild cold that is just taking out everyone. It's, I mean, I've been sick with it for like a week and a half and or like a week. Um, and I've taken COVID tests. I don't have COVID, but like, you know, it's just in, and so, um, like seven of the 11 people dropped off, um, 
or 12. I don't know. There was only four of us in the end. And, but it was like perfect. It was just this nice. And so anyway, so the girl with the gray aura who, who, um, put this whole thing together, she, she cut out tiny pictures of my neighbor's fiance. So obviously my other neighbor, right? Um, the man, uh, the man. So there's tiny pictures. His name's Ryan. There's tiny pictures of Ryan's head all over the table. And I was like, do you think I could take all those home? <laughs> and I had already made a weird comment because there's this picture of the two of them and they're very attractive people. Like, don't get me wrong. Like they're attractive now. Uh, but there's a picture of them uh, that looked like, like she, it looked like they'd been photoshopped on a Mad Max poster of like, what is that guy's name? Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron. I think those are the two in Mad Max. I have no idea. I've never seen any of those movies, but you know, Charlize Theron's like crazy hot in it. And then the guy is like crazy hot. I thought like, I thought the girl with the good aura had like paint, like, like photoshopped their faces on those two body. And they were like, no, we used to go to this like end of the world party every year, whatever the Mad Max world is called. And that's how every, like a burning man situation, but for Mad Max people, I guess, I don't know. They tried to explain it to me and I'm like, I don't understand most of the things that humans do for pastimes, but I was like, uh, I was like, that's you two. And she's like, yeah, I was like, wow. I thought that they like photoshopped you. And she, she's like, oh yeah, I know we're not as hot. And I'm like, no, you're still really hot. I've just never seen the two of you dressed like that. And like sexy. I was like, I kind of want to bang both of you. And then I made way too many comments about having a threesome. And then about a half hour later, I asked if I could collect all of the little Ryan heads. And she looked at me and I was like, no, not for creepy reasons. I mean, for creepy reasons, but not like creepy. Like I plan on just like putting them all over places that Ryan will find them outside and see how long it takes him to say something. <laughs> and she's lived next to me for like years. Right. And she, in the pandemic, we got super close. Uh, one of the first times we ever talked, like we talked a few times, right? Like, you know, like hi here and there or whatever. Um, we were down by the mailboxes and Henry used to have this, like, if I left the door open, like I have a screen door and if I left the screen, you know, the door open, but the screen door closed and like went and got the mail, which is like pretty far. It's not far, far. Like you can see my door from there, but it's like, it's like a two minute, three minute walk, right? Like it's up a bunch of stairs, whatever. So we're down at the mailbox and Henry, every time I would leave, would just sit at the door and just wail until I came back. And he didn't have like the most like pleasant sounding meow when he was wailing. I mean, to me, it sounded like angels singing, but like other people, it sounds like just like, like, I mean, like it sounded like he was like having a heart attack. And so the first time, like one of the first like conversations she and I had, we were down at the mailboxes and it was like, Oh, hi, how are you? Good. How are you? And we're trying to have small talk and my cat is just wailing. And finally she goes, whose cat is that? Like, so like, what the fuck is that noise? And I was like, Oh, that's my cat, Henry. <laughs> she was like, Oh, that's your cat. <laughs> and she watched, she watches my cats and I watch her cat. She's the one who lost her Henry. Um, she also had a Henry. Uh, she lost her Henry like, I don't know, two months before I lost mine. Just so fucking sad. But, and so they know me well now, right? So like, I just don't think he would say anything. I think I could place little Ryan heads all over like he has like a workbench outside I'll put it like on his dashboard I'll put it in the plants they water I don't know I she, like I was like collecting them and I was like one of two things are gonna happen I'm gonna dedicate years of my life to doing this or I'm gonna completely forget about it in 12 hours there's not gonna be an in-between like I'm either gonna go for it and become obsessed or I will never think about this again but um why was I telling you that? Oh, just like good people. And it was just, and it's so interesting too. Cause like we've all been there. We get in the car, right? She and I, you know, we go together and we get in the car and she was like, yeah, I was really sad today that everyone canceled. And me on the other side, I'm not looking at it like no one loves you. It's not, you know, that's not the reason why people aren't here. It's because you know, this crazy cold is going around and people are just really sick. And I'm sure people are really bummed out. They can't be here for you, but they also don't want to be like at the thing, like getting everybody else sick. But when you're, and like on the outside looking in, we all always know that, right? Like we all always know like, oh yeah, it's obviously not that. But when we're in her position, you know, we've always, we've all been there where you're like throwing a party at your birthday party and like 19 people don't show up and like three people come. 
and you're like, I'm the most unlovable person on the planet. You know, like when you're in that position, it's just like, man, like we automatically, and it's a human thing. And it was, and I, I hate to use like her bummed outness for my like life lesson, but I guess that's the only thing you can do in like, you know, shitty situations. But like, I, you know, it, it was such an eye opening experience because I've had so many times where I've had a birthday and like not very many people can come or like, or, you know, like enough people come and you like, you're like, but what about that person or that person? And instead of just focusing on, you know, and, 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 and like, but, and, and her perspective is like, oh, this wasn't important enough for people. And that's how we all feel when we're in that perspective. But on the outside perspective, it's like, no, there's this cold that's literally wiping out Los Angeles. Um, and then all those situations, right. They always end up being so much better because there's less people there. Um, I mean, it was like, it was perfect. We laughed, we, you know, we had a drink, we had a, we had food. Um, we exchanged a bunch of stories. One of the women never, one of the women, women, um, is a stay at home mom and she's always home with the kids. And she's just like, I never get to, I never go out. And this is like, she's like, I'm glad I came out. And we like talked about how she's like, yeah. Cause another thing that always comes up and not just here, this came up with my, uh, one of my sponsors I had in the, um, beginning, uh, you know, in lockdowns or in pandemic. And this is the one that, uh, my last one, that's no longer my sponsor. Um, people, and this has happened a lot in my life where people will be like, Oh, well your makeup's all done. Like you, Oh, you, you like put all this work into your face and none of that, you know, like, it's just like, it's an odd, like that's, I mean, that's what we all do. You know, we always point out things that in other people, that's not like us. Right. And I used to be so insecure cause I liked wearing makeup. I like putting on my eyelashes like in my, and, it, and it's a trigger for me because my family will mention it a lot. Like when I'm home with my eyelashes, do you put those eyelashes on every day? And I'm like, yeah, what do you fucking care? Like if I put on a whole, I can't think of anything bizarre um, to put on, but you know what I mean? Like, what do you fucking care? But like, I always got criticism for like, oh, you, you do that with your lips every day. Do you really curl it every day? You know, like just like and this nitpicky thing. And I was talking to this lady about it and she's, you know, this woman who never leaves her house. And she's like, oh man, I put on pants. I didn't, you know, I didn't put on any makeup. And she's like, your makeup looks beautiful. And I, and I was just like, you know, a lot of people ask me about this and I don't know if this is relatable or not, but I, in the lockdowns, actually I know it is. And not just with like makeup. Cause my buddy, uh, who doesn't wear makeup, uh, went through this too, where like, you know, in the lockdowns, the first, you know, week or so it was like, sweet, we can just like be in pajamas all the time. And I knew I couldn't do that. I knew like my mental health in order to survive this like lockdown. And I didn't wear makeup for the first, first, like, so it wasn't even just a makeup thing, but cause I wanted, I wanted to see what would happen if I didn't wear makeup for like a month. Uh, nothing happened. I wash my face almost every, like if, every day, except for like once a month, maybe if I like fall asleep, whatever. So nothing really happened. I thought it was going to be like game changing. It wasn't, but, uh, but I knew like I had to like have a routine cause I know my mental health and I know how fragile my mental health is. Unfortunately, not unfortunately, I don't know. I'm grateful that I'm able to maintain it and I'm able to like, I know what my, what I need in order to have a healthy mental health, right? Healthy mental health. You guys know what I mean. And, but my buddy was saying, he was like, yeah, the first like month and a half, I like didn't, you know, I literally would wake up and grab my computer and he's like, and then all of a sudden I started like, like getting really bummed out. And then my depression took over and then it was like, oh fuck, I got to get up every day and like treat this like have a routine. And my sponsor was like, yeah, I don't wear makeup. Like when I started wearing makeup, uh, you know, on zooms and I would just have makeup on during the day. Um, she, she, she was shameful about it. Um, she was, she was a little shaming about it. Um, well, like I don't need to wear makeup every day. And I was like, well, I don't need to wear it. Like I'm not, I'm not uh, like, I, it's not that I don't like my face. Like it's not that it's just, I know that when I wake up and I take a shower and I make myself, you know, look nice, I don't make myself look nice for the world. I do it mostly so I don't open my wrist in a bathtub. You know what I mean? Like, well, that was really dark, but I just mean like, and it's so, and then the woman who was like, yeah, I never leave. And she, at the end of it, she was, you know, I think I'm going to, I'm going to make a point to do something nice for myself every month because it is like, I think we forget about that. And I think, I don't know. And then I'm also recently realizing more and more that I, I, I'm a, I'm a 
tall human and I'm a big personality and, you know, and I, and I'm, and I have, I had to dim my light for a lot of people growing up. Um, a lot of people growing up because if I, if I, if I shine too bright, they would, they would, they would criticize and be shitty. And so I, I've been so mindful of like not overstepping or not being too much myself because, you know, I don't want to make anyone feel bad about themselves. And this last year and just with everything I've lost, um, and I know, and I, I, and obviously Henry's the big one, but, um, you know, also I, I lost like seven, eight friends this year and just, and, you know, had falling outs with people and let people go and, and all that stuff. Like everything I've lost this year, I now I'm just like, yeah, I am done dimming my light. So people feel more comfortable. Like if you, and I know that that's like in 800 memes, right. That's like in our TikTok videos or whatever. I know that's everywhere, but I feel like I was trying to feel that way, but it took hitting a sort of bottom and losing and, you know, in, in loss that made me go, Oh, I'm not gonna Like I have this big pink feathery jacket that I love. And it's so funny because my best friend Katie has one too. And I, I know I saw her in it once, but I didn't like when I bought it, I was like, I love this and it looks familiar, but I don't know why. And then when I wore it in front of her, she's like, I have one of those. I'm like, well, well she, I was in her, I it was last Thanksgiving and I was at their house in Maryland and I like, you know, it was cold outside. So I, I came upstairs with the jacket on and she gave me kind of a weird look. And I was like, oh, I know it's like really big and colorful because I was still in my hole apologizing for being who I am. Right. But she wasn't giving me a weird look for that. She was like, did you go up in my closet and get that? And not that like she wouldn't be upset if I did, but just sort of like a weird thing that I like I was like in the basement. It was like four stories up in order to go to her closet, dig that out without them noticing. And I'm like, no, no, I bought this right before I came here. And she's like, I have that one, too. And like. I was so nervous about wearing that home in Denver in front of my family or in front of like people from home because, you know, they, it's like, oh, why are you wearing that? Oh, it's, you know, you're drawing attention. And as a kid, man, oh, as a kid, I wanted to fly under the radar the best I could. You know, I remember one time I was sitting and I was with, uh, you know, I was like playing at my grandma's house and my grandma was talking to one of my aunts or uncles and she had taken me shopping and I don't remember saying this, but I do remember her saying it to my family member concerned that this was my reaction. She had asked me also sidebar. I, well, I, I used to buy, I used to, anytime we go shopping, only Looney Tunes. That is the only thing I always wanted. And then once I got to junior high, I always wear the Looney Tunes. And about halfway through junior high, this popular girl was like, you literally wear the Tasmanian devil every day. And it crushed me. Oh man, it crushed me. I was like, wait, that's not cool. It was not cool. It was not. But I also played dolls too and peed my pants. So who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? But like, so I'm like playing or whatever. And my grandma was like, yeah, I asked her, you know, I tried to, tried to get her this pretty dress today and she and, and she's talking about me and she goes and she got really quiet and she said no I, I would I would prefer not to stand out and and then my aunt or uncle was like do you think he's mean to her and they were talking about my father and they were like I think he's too hard on her and I I just remember and then I remember thinking to myself check don't let them know that he is any of that, you know, like instead of being like, Oh, maybe I should ask them, can I shine? You know what I mean? I more was like, fuck, I got to hide this better. And I don't know. Now I'm just like, you know, so last night I went to this thing and I asked my neighbor, I was like, what are you wearing? I, I think I'm going to wear a dress. And she goes, I might wear a dress or I might just wear this. And I and she goes, but wear a dress. And I wore a dress and I wore my big pink jacket. And you know what? First, a few things were said by one, by one, I mean, not a few, I mean, the one woman who doesn't go out ever was just like, yeah, you're all dressed up and your makeup's done. And I was like, well, yeah, but I think it's also people's own stuff. You know what I mean? Like when she was saying it to me and then it came down to it that she's like, I never do that. And so I don't know, man, I think all of this is to say nothing's personal and just be who you want to be. Like the, the people from my hometown and, you know, family or friends of family, whatever that have like, have ask questions like, do you wear eyelashes every day? Or like, wow, why is your hair so bright red? Or like, you know, all that stuff. 
that's more about them, man. It has nothing to do with me. And remember, I wrote this down a couple of weeks ago and I still have it on my list of things to talk about at the top because I need the reminder constantly. I now realize that people who have negative shit to say about anyone, it's their own insecurities. That's it. it so it means that something I'm doing is so awesome that it's bringing out their own BS and it's none of my business. So that's that. So imposter syndrome. I've been, I don't know, I've been nervous about talking about this because it, it's super vulnerable. I mean, I know this whole thing is super vulnerable, but I will say I'm much more comfortable sitting out at my desk and talking. And then I, at this point in the, the podcast, I'm like, I can't really breathe. It's hot. I'm kind of sweating. There's, I don't know, but I, I, and I feel like the sound is fine. I also think the fountain and the no, they're still going. Okay. So I've always known, I mean, I've heard of imposter syndrome. It's been, you know, I've, it's been like sort of sent, I've had a, a listener or two of you guys send me, uh, information on it in the time I've been doing crawl space. So I know I, I, you know, I've touched on it, but I didn't really realize it was like a thing thing. Right. And I think, and you know, as I said, I'm trying to get back into therapy. It probably, the problem is, is that we don't have to get into it. We do it every week. I'm trying to get a qualified therapist to help me with my specific trauma that also has 12 step experience. I guess there's a shortage. We're doing the best we can. Um, I mean, and I'm fine. You know what I mean? I just want to dig deeper and become the best me. That's, that's, you know, I'm not like desperate for a therapist. I was back in August when I lost Henry and my friend, my really close friend that I, I've been pretty quiet. I've been, you know, not open about who he was to me, but, uh, just cause I, I, I'd never been sadder in my whole life, you know? Um, and so the grief was really hard and I'm still working through the grief and I'm working through a, you know, a lot of this grief. It's, I'm also behind on grieving. I'm behind on life and I'm behind on all the grieving Jesus. Um, but I, I, uh, one of the things I want to look at when I go there, or if you guys have any resources, email me, always email. I'll always respond to an email. I mean, not right away, but I will always respond to it. DMs, they're lost to everyone. Uh, I have, oh God, I have so many DMs right now. That just makes me want to take a nap thinking about it. Um, so I, uh, I, so I, I have, you know, I have this job where I am a, like a virtual event host. So there's different events, trivia, like different fun events that uh, this company has created that corporations basically have um, by, you know, by like a, an afternoon where they treat their employees to this fun event during the day, the work day, right? And then they have people like me and, uh, you know, everyone I work with that we host these events and it's super fun. It's, it's, it's. I'm so far behind, but, uh, you know, it's super fun. It's, I'm terrified every time, but I think once I get better at it, I won't be as terrified, but it's also seasonal. Hopefully. I mean, there might be like a chance of not being seasonal. I don't know. It's all up in the air, which I'm just trying to live day by day and do the best I can. That's all I keep saying to myself. I'm like one step at a time. You're doing the best you can. I love you. Um, and, uh, so they had in-person training like two, three months ago two months ago. I don't know. I'm about at time, but, uh, you know, a few months ago where in-person training were people who live, cause this company is virtual. So it's, you know, people are all over the world that work for this company, but they have, um, for, they have in-person events or they're starting to have in-person events now, you know, and in different parts on the East coast and West coast and some in the central and some in the middle of the country too, but they're training their New York and LA employees to run these events. And I went to Berkeley, a couple of weeks ago to host my first one. I almost shit my pants that day. Um, and then next week I'm going to San Francisco to co-host one where my friend is hosting one. And, uh, and it, it's really rad and it's, 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 I'm excited. I get a, they're flying me to San Francisco. You know, it's just, it's, it's cool. And I think once I get more of the hang of it, I'll be able to go to these different cities and then like the night before or the night after or whenever I can check out comedy scenes and hopefully come maybe see some of you who are in different parts of the country. Right. And so I'm super excited about it. And we go in, like, it's such a long story that I don't need to like get into like every single detail of the story, but we do the in-person training, right? And the first day is a lot of fun. Uh, the, like my boss, who's like the main manager guy is a comic in New York and he is, and I was really excited about meeting him and he is 
awesome. Like I, I, I told him, I like, I was like, dude, I'm going to know you tell I'm dead. Like you and I are going to be pals. And he, I'm like, when I, when I come to New York, I'm going to meet your wife and she and I are going to be pals. I think on Thanksgiving I got drunk and I, I commented on a photo of them. was like, your wife's really pretty, but I can't find the comments. And maybe it was just a dream. I've been having wild, vivid dreams lately, guys, where I'm like, did that happen? And then I'm like, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. And uh, I mean, I guess there's worse things you can comment on a friend's photo other than his wife is beautiful. But um, it wasn't creepy, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, but so it's the first time I'm meeting him and the first day it's like, oh, we play a lot of games and we meet a lot, you know, we, we meet everyone in person and it's really fun and all the coworkers are just as awesome as they are online. And it's, you know, it's just a lot of fun. And the next day there, he's like, all right, you guys are going to do trivia, right? Three trivia questions or five. I can't remember. And then, uh, and then, um, we're going to do the intro, right? You're going to do the intro and you're going to do this. And he's like, it's going to be kind of a tough day because, um, you know, basically like, uh, I'm going to do a lot of critiquing and it's going to be uncomfortable because I'm going to critique you a lot. And, and he did the New York training and he was like, that was kind of the tough day for everyone just cause like, and, and you know, there was a lot and he was like, look, companies pay a lot of money to have you guys fly in there. So we just need to make sure you're really good at it. And so we are going to critique you and I'm a comedian, you know what I mean? So like, I, I, I have a really tough skin. Um, I, and as I said last week, like, you know, you're driving to an, you're driving to a show, you've been bombing for like weeks in a row and you're like, what, what sane human, what sane human is like, well, better get back up on that stage, say almost the same words I said a couple of weeks ago and then see what happens. Right. But so I'm not like, I, I don't know, as long as I know that it's like, this is just to make you better. And I remember years ago, I had this acting teacher it was when I first moved to LA, I had this acting teacher and she was like specifically hard on me. She was so hard on me. Um, she was hard on a couple of the guys too. There was like two guys that she like was like expect a lot. But and it's so funny again, looking back, like the, like I said at the beginning of the episode, you can look on the outside, like from the outside looking in when she was tough on those guys, I was like, oh, she believes they're talented. And she want, expects more of them. That's why she's harder on them. Everyone else, she's like, yeah, you guys are whatever, right? And actually, she said something really, I don't know if I ever told you guys this before, but um, it's really vulnerable because my acting stuff is something I don't really talk much about and I'm, I'm just trying to get back into it, but I'm so scared. Uh, and I, you know, I've talked to you guys about the whole acting emphasis in college when all those people went to protest me getting into the program. So I know I still have a lot of shit to work through and also this imposter syndrome shit. All right. We have eight stories going, but we have time. It'll be fine. That's me to myself. So yeah, she was so hard on me and these, uh, these, th these two dudes and me. And like from the outside looking in with those guys, I was like, well, yeah, she thinks they're great. But then when she was hard on me, I was like, she hates me. <laughs> like it wasn't like, and then I mean like really, and then like there was like four girls who were like terrible, but she just was like, good job, Stephanie. That's great. Good job, Melanie. Like it was like that. And then she's like, Kim, I want you. And I was just like, well, this bitch won't let up. And then it, it took, you know, years later. And, and so our last final project, she, she's going around the room and ask, you know, telling, you know, asking, she partners me and one of the other guys up that she's, and she, and she looks at me and she goes, look, I don't want you to be pretty in this. So it's like, basically like I'm, I can't, the scene was like, I was a drunk and my husband wanted to divorce me and I was drunk and a mess. And then it was, you know, very emotional scene. And she was like, I don't want, I want you to be a mess. I don't want you to be put together. And that's always hard for me. And I know that. And I know that's why, you know, the makeup looking fine. And like, because if I, growing up, you know, if I was perfect, I, I, maybe I wouldn't get as much criticism if I flied under the radar, maybe I wouldn't get abuse. You know what I mean? So I know that that's like, but she saw through it and she was like, I want you to be messy. I want it to be fucking, you know, she didn't say fucking, but at the end of our performance and I gave my all in this performance, I wore this really pretty blue dress that I, so I never throw things away. I think about that dress all the time. Um, I'm probably, it's probably too, whatever. I probably grew way out of it. And also it doesn't matter. But you know, when you think about that one piece of clothing that you got rid of years ago, and then that makes you hold on to everything else because you still regret that blue dress. Okay. So after the scene, I put my all into this, right? I fucking all. And at the end of it, she looked at the class and this is the, one of the biggest compliments I've ever received as an actress. She said, ladies and gentlemen, you are sitting in front of the next Goldie Hawn 
And one of my regrets in life is that I laid in bed for the next two weeks and I didn't really go after acting after that because imposter syndrome. So, and that's, that's hard. And I know it's not too late. I know you're listening and you're like, it's not too late. And I know, and it's again, it's from the outside looking in. You can be like, of course it's not too late. But when you're in it, you're like, it's totally fucking too late. And that's where the work comes, right? So back to the training. So the next day we get in there and I, I learned something very important about my own acting and my own memorization. So basically with the intro, the manager was like, and I'm not using his name just cause you know, I'm really trying to get better at that. I, you know, it's hit or miss. Um, but and the manager was like, yeah, the intro when you do in-person events is the only thing you have to have memorized. And these are the five things you need to hit. Right. And he's like, tomorrow, I just want you to write the intro, um, you know, try and have it like somewhat like, you know it, you know, but you don't have to have it memorized. And so it was super easy. I got there and I realized I was like, I have it memorized. And every time I have an audition, I'll memorize it. Right. And then I'll go in there and I won't trust myself. So I'll bring in the script. And then there's something about holding that script where my brain goes, I don't think you know it. You should glance down and then I'll glance down and then I'll fuck up the line. And then the whole thing will derail. Right. And that morning I was like, why don't we just, this is how I do comedy, how I do stand up. I don't write jokes down. I have like the titles of jokes and I know exactly like I, I like I, and, and some people don't think that this is the way to do it. And yeah, there's been some jokes that I've lost over the years. In fact, TikTok has sort of helped me be like, oh, right, that joke. I need to try that joke again. But so I'm sure I'll probably one day have to figure out a better method to my madness. But with comedy, I know I hit these five points and I don't have, I don't have like a, a set list that I'm like, I'm like, all right, these are the four things I want to talk about. And then I get up there and I just, I just trust it. I trust that I'm going to do good, right. Or do well. And with, with acting, I don't, I get in there and I'm like, I'm a mess. And then I'm trying to read the script. And I apologize eight times and I leave and I'm like, I had that memorized. And so this morning I got there and I was like, you know what, you know, you have to hit these five points. Just get up there and do your thing. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. Like if I suck and I blow it, then I fucking blow it. You know, like it's not, the world's not going to implode. And so a few people went before me and he was critiquing and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I get, and, you know, and, and people were nervous and I don't, I'm nervous, but I'm, I have the presence up there because I've been doing comedy for so fucking long. Right. And so I get up there and I do it. And he was just like, man, that's the bar. That's exactly and then that was what the next two days of, of the training was. He was, and I, I'm so grateful for it. And I know, and like, and the other manager, she and I are friends and she's like, yeah, it's deserved. And everyone in the class was like, yeah, you're great. Like it is deserved all this praise he's giving you. But I wanted to crawl out of my goddamn skin. I was so uncomfortable and not because of him. He was lovely. He was fucking great. I love him. But it was because in the back of my head, I kept hearing a voice yeah, but when are they going to find out the truth? When are they going to find out that you're not very good, that you're not funny, that you're not a kind person, that you're not like that horrible voice that, and then I, and I was just like, oh my God. And then the last day we go, we, you know, we have, I told you about the in-person uh, lucky strike night where I, I drink, I drink a bunch of wine and showed them all the pipe Buffy, the vampire slayer a action figure then and buttons that I carry around with me to my new coworkers, which, you know, it's fine. They all still love me. So it's fine. But I look back, it's a very funny scene anyway. So that night I, you know, we go, I meet my buddy Mike over at the, at elbow room beforehand and my manager is staying in a hotel across the street. So I text him and I'm like, Hey, do you want to come have a drink before we go over to, Lucky strike. And he's like, sorry for the, the like mouth breathing friends. Is it mouth breathing or nose breathing? I don't know. I, my breathing is all over the goddamn map. Uh, so he's like, yeah, absolutely. So before he gets over there, I'm telling Mike all about, uh, you know, about how uncomfortable I was with all the praise. And at th this time I had no idea it was imposter syndrome, right? I had no idea. I was just like, all I knew is that I wanted to like, like peel my own skin off with a knife. Like that's how I'm, that would be a better feeling than being as uncomfortable as I was. Right. And it sounds horrible and it is. And 
he comes over and he meets Mike and they talk sports for a while because like the World Series or whatever is going on. And then he goes, did he, did she tell you that he she was like the star pupil the last few days? And he go and he goes, yeah, she just told me that. And he looks at me and I go, yeah. And I just told him how uncomfortable I am with it because and I and then I chalked it up like we're comedians, you know, we don't like that kind of stuff, blah blah blah. And then we laugh and it's fine and and you know everything's good. But I'm still in the back of my head that I'm not like all these people are saying how f- nice I am and how funny and whatever I am. And like, but there's still that voice. It's like, but when are they going to find out the truth that you're really not great, that you're not funny? And I know I, I, I like, I hate saying that out loud about myself, especially when I'm working through it so much, but like, you know, I'm just, I'm being honest and, um, I'm being as truth, you know, I'm, you know, just vulnerable, but truthful that that's, those are the voices in my head. And, and then, you know, the synchronicity of the universe the next night I go to an ACA meeting that's a speaker meeting and this woman started talking about that and she was like yeah you know you know in my life people have told me how talented and how beautiful and how special I am and in my head I think when are they going to find out the truth that I'm none of those things and I was like, oh, my God, you have my attention. And in my head, I'm like, well, what do you do? What's the solution? Where does it come from? I'm like, tell me, tell me, tell me. You know, because I'm like, I have no idea. And she goes, because ever since, oh, well, she goes, of course. And she's right. She goes, ever since I was a little kid, I was consistently told in some way or another, I was not enough and I wasn't lovable. And I was like, fuck, same. And, you know, even now, even now people tell me that I'm lucky. My, my dad wanted me because my mom didn't. Even now, currently adult humans look at my adult self and say that, you know, that your dad was the best thing that ever happened to you. My dad molested me, man. Like what? And so like as a little kid, the two people that are supposed to love you the most, the people that you look around and you see that like all your friends have these loving parents, my mom's long gone, you know, in and out. And, and when she is there, she's not there, you know, and my dad is, is doing what he's doing. And like, and then, you know, people telling me nonstop that you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not this enough. You're not that. Oh, you know, I know you think you're special. I know you think you're smart. You know, you're not as good as you think you are. My dad would say that to me all the time. You know, you're not as good as you think you are. You know, you're not as smart as you think you are. That kind of like, who looks at a little girl and says that instead of like, wow, you got an A on that test. You know what I mean? And the funny thing is, is if I didn't get that A on that test, if I got anything less than an A and I didn't get A's all the time, by the way, like I, like my trauma turned into just like not trying very hard. Cause like, you know, whatever, then he, you know, stopped really caring that much. But like, but like if, if it was an A minus, then it should have been an A. If it was a B, it should have been B plus, you know, like, and it was always, and then when it was an F, it was like, well, the, the we're going to set the house on fire with you in it, you know? And, and but, when it, but it was an A plus, it was like, you know, you're not as smart as you think you are. And of course I think that when people are like, you're great. My, my tapes are like, they're going to find out I'm not. And a couple of weeks ago I had uh, a virtual event where the manager was shadowing it. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, he's, I'm in trouble. And I text the other manager and I was like, girl, you know, I'm paranoid. And she goes, no, we're just, we're shadowing all the new people. Like it's not. And I was like, oh my God, Friday's the day he finds out I'm not good enough. And that's not at all what happened, you know? And it, and, and then I was talking to Jeff uh, May on the Ugh Fine podcast and he goes, oh, that's imposter syndrome. And I was like, I think that is the thing that is derailed almost everything I, in my whole life. And that is a hard pill to swallow at 40 to, and I'm grateful I found it at 40 because some people don't ever find it or some people find it at 60 or 50, you know, like I'm grateful I found it now, but it's just like, man, that's a hard pill. Cause I look back on every single, I got into the acting emphasis in college and all those people did, you know, the protesting or whatever, but it wasn't, it wasn't them that got me to quit and lay in bed for two weeks. It was me going, they're going to find out I'm not good enough. They're going to find out I'm not good enough. And, you know, honestly, I don't know what the solution is there. Uh, I think I'm doing it. You know, um, I, the, the, the awareness of it is the first step. I don't know if this is common knowledge, but I, I've always heard the three A's in tackling anything, you know, like a, like, like inside problems, you know, like you're whatever, this kind of thing is an inside problem, I guess I'd call it. Uh, 
awareness is the first step. You can't do, you can't change anything without awareness of, you know, and, and then, uh, uh, acceptance. Like you can't go straight to action. You have to accept that this is who you are. Cause like, otherwise you're just trying to change yourself. You know what I mean? Like, like forcing a square, a round peg through a square hole. I don't know the saying I, you guys know now I don't know sayings, but, but like, and then you have to accept it. And I, and I'm in the awareness and the acceptance and, and I think I'm close to the action, but I'm, you know, part where you're like, all right, I'm going to take action and that's going to therapy and that's all. And that's this sharing it with people. And this isn't, you know, I'm, I'm obviously sharing it in different uh, platforms, not just like by myself to a computer and sending it out to people to listen. Like I've talked to friends about this and I've, and of course it's all, you know, and everyone, and it's that inside looking out or looking inside from the outside. Wait, on the outside looking in, you know what I mean? Uh, thanks. Like my dear friends are like, God, if you only saw what we saw. And I'm like, I know. Cause I can say that about you too. When you shit on yourself, you know what I mean? And it's just like, so I, I look back on and, and, and that's been, you know, where I've stopped in my comedy career. Like every time, I get a little bit of praise or I get a little bit of recognition. I lay in bed for three days or a week and not like, like figuratively lay in bed. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, sometimes literally lay in bed for a week, but figuratively lay in bed, you know, like just sort of like going through the motions. Don't go on stage. I'm scared because they'll find out I'm not good enough. They'll find out that I'm not as funny as they think I am. And, and then I'll, you know, and then you, you, you stay away for a couple of weeks from comedy and then you, go back up there and then you work hard again. And then, you know, just it, and every little success I've gotten in my life, like why it hasn't progressed further. Cause I get asked that a lot. Like why not people aren't like, why aren't you further in your career? But you know what I mean? Like, it's like, uh, I, I keep watching my peers go to the next level and I keep being like, I'm going to be in the next level too. And now I'm realizing a lot of it is this imposter syndrome and I'm grateful for the awareness uh, I'm grateful that, you know, I'm grateful to that training, man. Like I was so uncomfortable, but I'm also uncomfortable with, you know, love like that. Like I told you guys years ago, uh, when Roger and Dave and Katie lived here, these are my best friends slash, you know, family that live in Maryland. Uh, they all lived here. And one night we were having, uh, it was Christmas and we were having our, like our friend family, you know, cause I think everyone was going back East and, uh, we decided to have like our gift exchange and dinner and game night all in one. Right. And it was like one of the, I think it was the first one. And I showed up and, you know, we had presents and Dave and Katie are cooking and, you know, the baby is, you know, doing baby stuff. I don't know what that means, but, and, and I'm standing there and, and Roger and I are in the front door and I looked at him and I said, I am so uncomfortable. I could crawl out of my skin and I'm, you know, I'm grateful that he, you know, knows me. And he just squeezed my hand and said, we're family, baby. We love you. And like, I just, I didn't grow up with that. And I know I have family members that'll listen to this and be like, yeah, you did. There was a lot of love there. And it's like, if you have to yell that at me, then possibly and, you know, and, and as I told you, I grew up with these grandparents who were just like the best ever, like everything good in me came from them. I dedicated my fucking book to those two people. I love those two people. And, and all the, like, I, I think every kind bone I have in my body came from them. Like, like the, uh, you know, the, the childhood I had, I should not be a, a stable human. And I know it's them. I know it's them, but like, I, you know, it, it, it and the family that listens to this and says things like, well, it's like you didn't know what happened inside of my house on Christmas mornings. Christmas mornings were never. I remember like, uh, I don't know, a couple of years after my dad died, maybe a year, maybe two years after. I don't know. It was after my dad passed away. Uh, my my cousin who lives in Portland, who I am extremely close to, uh, she invited me for Christmas. Right. And so I went to Christmas and her, her dad was still alive. And so her mom and dad were there and, you know, her in-laws and, you know, her, her brother, my cousin. And, and we did Christmas Eve and Christmas day the way they did growing up. And I, and they were always late, right? They were always late to my grandparents' dinners and they always got so much flack. Like, you know, the, they're, they're going to be, we'll call them the Portland family. I, I'm just trying not to give names. <laughs> I know it's too late, but, um, you know, the, you guys know her name is Maggie, but the Maggie's are going to be late. They're always late. They're always late. And, you know, the family was always so fucking critical about that. 
And then I spent Christmas with them and it was, it was the best Christmas I'd ever had up until that point. Like the best Christmas, like the night before they had, they had this tradition where everyone got like pajamas and they got me pajamas. And I know you're thinking, yeah, of course they invited, but like, I didn't get that growing up. You know what I mean? Like most Christmas Eve's we spent with my godparents, but my dad would get really drunk. My mom sometimes would show up really drunk. And then that was always a thing. You know what I like? It was just, it was always chaos. And it was always like hush, hush chaos. Like we're not going to talk about it, but we know that this is awful. You know what I like? Like the amount of mornings that we would just open Christmas presents in silence, either because my mom like got a DUI the night before and was wearing sunglasses while, you know, where I'm, and I'm a kid trying to be excited about the dollhouse I'm getting, you know, and like, when I get other people, you know, people have had worse Christmases. I'm not, I'm in this like really hyper aware of being like, I don't know, just like over the top hyper aware, but, but like, of course they were always late. They got this like, I don't know what the fuck it was, but all of us got a crown with a harmonica and then we got these like notes, like the like music notes and we played like 19 songs after breakfast and then we opened presents. But it wasn't like hurry up and open presents. It was like we all looked at the presents and then we smiled and we laughed and we took and we took pictures and then like the kid, it was so much fun. And I was like, girl, to my uh, Maggie, I was like, no wonder you guys were late all the time growing up. Like Christmas was never like this for me. It was always... And then, or my dad would get me Victoria's Secret pajamas. You know what I mean? He did that all the way up until I was in my, I don't know. I mean, that's, I don't know if I've ever told you guys that, but yeah, that was, and there was always a calendar that was a uh, uh, 12, a uh, cartoon calendar about sex. That was also another thing that Tom used to get me for every Christmas. So Christmases were always, and so like healthy available love makes me want to crawl out of my skin. And I'm this like, I'm grateful for these last few years of just the hardcore work and finding ACA and like all of the loss I've experienced because it has made me be able to like look at this stuff and, and live a, a, I don't know, better or happier life is the right way, but a more serene life, a more, you know, I don't have to be in chaos. I don't have to be, I don't have to have people in my life that are, shitty that say shitty things that do shitty things that like passive aggressively say shitty stuff period you know and like I just don't and the other stuff is way more comfortable for me or way more uncomfortable for me is what I'm saying. Like the shitty, the shitty toxic behavior. I thrive in that. I grew up in that. That's my home chaos and untrustworthy. And, and that's, I mean, that's what I was thinking a couple of weeks ago with, um, the guy who lives up in Seattle, who I used his name, I think a week ago now, I don't know. Whoops. Uh, we're not talking again, but he did reach out, but like, I, I'm more comfortable with someone like him, someone who's unstable and lies and disappears and is not, it doesn't do what he says he's going to do. I'm more comfortable with that because that's, that's what I lived in most, you know, half of my life in my formative years. I'm more comfortable there. Uh, and so in, it used to be easier to stay there. And now though I'm way more uncomfortable, the other side with love and av availability and, and, you know, just healthy shit and, uh, I, I'm, I'm way more uncomfortable there, but it's way better than the other side. And that's new for me. And this imposter syndrome stuff, I don't know. It's going to be a journey, but I'm great. That's my one lucky broad. I'm one lucky broad for the awareness. Cause I think this has been one of my main issues for a very, very long time. Um, you know, with good people in my life, you know, with like abandon them before they can abandon you or like this. I may, I'm making a new friend with this, this woman and she's great. She's fucking great. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so uncomfortable every time we hang out. And it's because she's, she's a good person. And I'm like, she's going to find out I'm a bad person and I'm not. It's just the imposter syndrome, man. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'll do my one lucky broad. I'm one lucky broad because I'm aware of this now and that's when action can be taken. You know, you can't, you can't change yourself or evolve if you don't know what you need to evolve. If that makes sense. I just burped. I'm so sorry. Yuck. Um, <laughs> I think that, and that's my whole, like I need to be together thing and I'm not together, but you know, I don't know, man. I did want to say real quick before I do the poop scoop cause it's somebody else's poop scoop today and I'm super stoked about it. 
Um, I, uh, two things. One, uh, The Walking Dead ended. And as you guys know, I restarted watching The Walking Dead. Uh, I, I, did I already talk about this? I don't care. It's worth saying it again. In life, if you are a TV writer, I don't know how many TV writers are, but like, I know uh, if you're a TV writer and you're writing a series finale, just give us a happy ending. You know what I mean? Like there's enough bad shit in the world. You don't need to kill the best character on a television show. And I'm not uh, spoiling alert any of it. It was just a really good ending. It was full of hope. There was a couple of tough deaths, but they gave them like, it was like a good death. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, I don't know. Dexter. Dexter is a great example. They had two shots at that. They had two shots at Dexter. They blew it the first time. Like they, it was just like this guy we loved for years. This is how you end it? Fuck off, right? We all can agree that Deb needed to go. But I'm saying like maybe we all can agree. Sorry. But then they had another shot and they still fucked it up. So it's like don't yeah, like it's already tough enough to be alive and a human. Being a human in a, on planet Earth is the hardest thing ever, right? It is hard here, right? TV show, and yes, we like the drama, we like the whatever, the chaos. Of course, there's going to be deaths, but the end of it, give us some closure. Give us some nice closure. Also, I'm still not over De uh, Glenn. I don't think I'll ever get over Glenn. I'm rewatching it, and I'm watching it. And I'm like, God, you have the worst. Like, I don't. I feel like they didn't need to do that. They smashed his head in, yo. Yo. I don't know why I said it. Yo. Um, and then the other thing. So I was on a bar show. I don't know. Months ago, right? A bar show where I, you know, like I talk about being a bartender and I make a drink and it came out today and they spelled my name incorrectly and I was so mad. I was so mad and I messaged the guy and he has a weird spelling name too. And he's like, Oh man, I totally get it with a weird. And it's not anything that I need people to see, but it's like, well, I'm not, no one's going to Google it and I'm not sharing it now. Um, cause it's just like, so it's just a weird, it's kind of a disrespectful thing, whatever. But, but then I looked at, then I watched the video and I was like, you know, it's fine. No one's going to be able to find that. Cause I definitely cut my own bangs that day. I cut my own bangs that morning and then I went in and filmed it and I'm kind of okay that they, <laughs> they changed my name because my bangs are like uh, a half an inch higher than my eyebrows. Yep. Yep. And you know, I, I still cut my own bangs. Sometimes it pans out and sometimes I'm like, huh, probably shouldn't have done that. In fact, I'm probably going to cut my bangs tonight. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I don't know. Your bangs grow. So if you have bangs, you understand they grow so much quicker and going in to get your haircut and like haircutting people, hairstylists, uh, they will, um, they don't like being called haircutting people. I've been informed by several of my haircutting people, hairstylists, uh, the hairstylist will cut your bangs for like 10 bucks or something cheap, but it's like getting the appointment fight like you know getting there the whole thing and then you're like i might as well just get a whole haircut i'm already here and so it's just like you just cut your bangs and you know i've been doing it for like 12 years so i'm not bad at it but you know every now and then when you're in a hurry you overshoot and then you you're on a tell you're on a it's a youtube television show so i don't know but you're on some youtube television show where they thank god spell your name wrong so no one can see your terrible bangs okay you ready for the poop scoop Oh, I'm excited for this one. Um, let me double check because I think he was like, uh, where did I see it? Uh, oh, my God. I love that he wrote that. Uh, just wanted to follow up that it is cool you use my name. Oh, my God. I love this guy. Uh, we do Dinner Detective together. You know, the Dinner Detectives where I sing a lot and I and I and I, I low-key hate it because I hate singing in front of people. He is like one of the lead detectives. He's very funny. Um, I feel his name is Ernie and he's very funny and I love that you're listening Ernie and I love it and now we're going to read so he said I could use his name that's okay so that's the point so send me your poop scoops but know oh that's nice but know that uh, um what about, uh, if you want it anonymous, sorry, I have, I am trying not to read the poop scoop while I'm giving the spiel because I, you know how I read it live. Okay. So know that if you want it anonymous, it can be anonymous. But if you're like Ernie and you're like, fuck it, I want my name to be said on here, then I will say your name. But if you don't say anything, I won't say your name just in case you forget. Um, and then if you want to send me your poop scoop, send it to kimcrawlspace at gmail.com. Space is S-P-A-C-E, like a full, not like space. I don't know why I don't think anyone's going to get that. Uh, all right. So this is Ernie and he's a hilarious man. So I cannot wait. 
Oh my gosh. And it's, oh man. Okay, here we go. Oh, I also read it live so we all can react together. We ready for this? Here's your poop scoop. Scoop. I almost, okay. <clears throat> I'm going to cough and take a sip of water. Here we go. Pop a squat, drop a log, grow a tail. <laughs> we all know what it means. But have you even asked yourself the origin of these popular phrases we use when we're going to take a dump? No, I haven't, Ernie. In my family, we call it going to Fernando Venezuela, and my poop scoop story is the origin of this phrase. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Um, Fernando Venezuela. Oh, man, this is going to be so good. Okay. The year was 1981. I was eight years old, born and raised in L.A., and being somewhat gifted athletically, baseball was really the only sport you played as a kid during that time, so I was a fan, and the home team was the Dodgers. While I had been a fan for a few years, I had never actually gone to a game, but in 1981, but 1981 was special. A young pudgy <laughs> left-handed devil from Mexico named Fernando Venezuela made his pro debut as a Dodger and the Latino community in LA was going absolutely ape shit about it. I had uncles from Mexico visiting and going to games and spending the night at our house. At first, it was an uncle here, an aunt, an uncle there, a grandpa, and an older cousin. Or Our house became a hub for my gigantic-ass family to rest up before heading back to TJ whenever El Toro got the start. <laughs> That's so good. You have to understand, Fernando won Rookie of the Year, and the Cy Young, and the Cy Young, I don't know what that is. Is that a, that's probably a baseball award, right? Okay. You have to understand, Fernando won Rookie of the Year and the Cy Young th that season, and he was Mexican. The only Mexicans on TV were janitors, nannies, and gardeners. A lot like today, LOL, as the season, <laughs> LOL, as the season progressed, Plan I, I, I laughed at that because I said, oh, whatever, you, you guys got it, okay. As the season progressed, plans were made to have the entire family go to a game together. I'm talking over 50 members with grandparents, uncles, and aunts and cousins. Yes, I'm Mexican. Little did I know that this was all preparation for a perfect poop storm. Oh, my God. 50 family members? That's wild. Okay. The day of the game, Fernando won. My entire family was elated, so happy, so satisfied. The great Mexican hope had delivered yet again. Walking to our cars, wearing my Fernando jersey and my tight white baseball pants with a belly full of Dodger dogs, it was the greatest day of my life. My, my first pro game, and it was my... <laughs> Sorry, I'm so happy. I just pictured all that, but I pictured Ernie now instead of like as a child in 1981. So it just brought a lot of ho a lot of smiles to my face. Okay, my first pro game, and it was my whole family perfection. Make sure you guys use the bathroom before you get out of the state or before we get out of the stadium. I heard this repeatedly from all my aunts and uncles that had been going to games all seasons. I lived 20 minutes from the stadium. I didn't need to go. Oh man. If they would have said it like th it takes three hours, <laughs> they said it, sorry, I'm butchering this so much. I'm laughing. Okay. If they would have said it takes three hours to get out of the, the parking lot, I still couldn't have gone when we left. I still couldn't. Oh, cause you didn't have to go. Sometimes you don't have to go. It hits you when you hit you. See, okay. How, how could I have gone? You can't squeeze out a dog that hasn't been fully digested. Sorry. You're right though. You can't, you just can't. It comes when it comes, man. So, of course, a couple hours later, sitting in a crowded car and in the squatting position, what happens? I needed to go. Bad. Like it came in a hurry, like a surging log that finished its climb and was ready to plunge into the waters below. <laughs> I told my mom I had to go. She's normally on my side, loving, empathetic, kind-hearted. She says to my dad, your son needs to go to the bathroom. You see, my mom can't take me. <laughs> she's, she's a woman. This is the way it was in my family. Men took their sons, but my dad was driving. Granted, he was stuck in park in the same spot for like 10 minutes at the time, but it was a good excuse to deny me. So my mom tells me to get out of the car and she proceeds to hit up all the other family cars looking for a male Oh, damn. I thought when you said take me, I thought like, 
I don't know why. I mean, like, I don't know why I thought like fight. I was like, why would you have to fight over that? Take you to the literal bathroom. I was raised by my dad. So I peed in the men's bathroom all the time. You also all know my childhood. So that was probably okay. So she couldn't take him to the bathroom. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, she tells her that pops out of the car looking for a male to help me to the bathroom. It was quite the spectacle car after car after car as I tried so hard to squeeze that poop tail from growing one of my older cousins finally stepped up to the plate to assist me but alas it was too late oh no my squish had finally failed as I walked into the dark woods of Elysian Park the brown explanation point of shame had formed under my white baseball pants no and every inhabitant of every car in the known universe that had witnessed the only thing happening in a crowded parking lot of cars knew what had happened oh no what a horrible thing after such a good day <laughs> My older cousin was nice enough to all oh, to help me bag the evidence and provide me with a sweatshirt that I used as sort of a skirt. <laughs> and he walked me back to my car, but not until my dad popped the trunk for my junk. <laughs> weeks later, weeks later at a family birthday party, which happened pretty much every week, my father and his masterful, oh no, comedic timing waited for just the right lull to explain at the table as he stood up. If you all excuse me, I need to go see Fernando Venezuela. I have nephews and in-laws that use this term today and they don't even know why. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed my poop scoop. Thanks. Oh, I love this. Thank you so much, Ernie. Oh my God. I can't believe why I was, I was so in it that I was like, does your mom like be like, we're not, we're not like you're like, you know how some parents, like some parents have like, like how, uh, the disciplinary, like your mom's like, well, we're not going to go to the bathroom. And then looked at your dad to be like, we're not going to the bathroom. See, I had parents that would just be like, hold it. That's why I peed my pants all the time. But your mom was like, I can't take you. Cause I can't take you into the boy's bathroom. Sorry. I, I flubbed that up. <laughs> that just goes to having the weird childhood I had. Oh my God. So just so you know, next time I see you, I'm only going to make Fernando Venezuela comments. Like I'm going to be like, I'm going to go for, I got to go see Fernando Venezuela. And I might say that to other people. Can I steal that? And maybe we can make it a world thing. So good. You just picture a little boy so excited. And then you pooped your pants and then your dad told everyone. Oh, oh guys, I love these so much. They make me so happy. I feel like Honestly, I feel like I know everyone has a story. In fact, I just got done making a magnet that says this that I'm going to get in a couple of weeks. Um, a bunch of magnets that I ordered that says you either pooped your pants or your time is coming. And I really think that and honestly, I don't think I would think this stuff was as funny as I do if everyone wasn't so ashamed of something that we all do. It's just so good. Oh, I picture it all so clearly. And then a, an ashamed Ernie coming out of the woods being like, I pooped my pants. Oh, it's so good. Thank you. Okay. That's the episode. That's the episode, everyone. Thank you for uh, being here. Thank you for, um, uh, yeah, just being here with me every week and letting me, you know, just be as open as I am and, um, and encouraging, uh, this new thing is really tough. And I know the good news is, is I know I'm not alone. I know imposter syndrome is like super, super common. So there's probably like a lot of help and resources. So I'm stoked about that. I'm stoked to, you know, go to the next chapter and all that. So thank you, everyone. That's the episode. Uh, we'll come back next week. Have a safe, happy week. Be kind. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Cross, 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 cross.